The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Live from Estopan All End. It's the Bamos Morados Podcast. Powered by the state of Louisville. Welcome to the Vamos Morados podcast on the state of Louisville podcast network. I am Zach. As usual, I'm here with Bitten. Not as usual, we are joined by two awesome guests again, like we were for the racing recap. We have uh, Casey Whitfield, uh, radio personality for Louisville City, and Chris Road Dog Limmel returns. How are you guys doing? I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys Chris, so much the for people coming on. The people listening can't see this, but Chris's uh, Zoom name is Road Dog, and that just makes me happy. As soon as I logged in, I'm like, yeah, there with it the is. W. It's, it's very important. Road Dog with the W. The W <laughs> makes it work. Critical. Well, cool. Yeah, we got an uh, we got an all star cast here, and so I think it's time for us to talk about. The Louisville City season, kind of full spectrum. Love to get some some different inputs here. Casey, you've watched all the games doing the radio broadcast. Chris, I think, was probably at every away match, not to mention also the home matches as well. Again, like besides like, you know, next to like Bob Lazinski, you two guys are, are you, you two are probably the people who do the most traveling for the club. It's really impressive how many matches you make it to. Hence the yeah. nickname. Yeah, I mean, we do what we can. The guys seem to love it. They really feed off the support even on away games. So we do what we can to help out. Cool. I, well, um, I love calling the game. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start things off with you, Casey. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you start the first question. So all things considered, what letter grade would you give Louisville City's season? Very complicated one. Yeah, this was a really tough question. When I was thinking about it, I was trying to think, do I just include like the regular season or do I include postseason play in it? And I think you have to look at it as a whole. So I would give them a B. I think making it to the Eastern Conference final um, helps raise the grade overall. So 
but I, I don't think this performance this season was to the level that we typically expect a local city team to be at. Um, we won games when we needed to and players stepped up when they needed to. And I think we made a good run in the tournament, but overall, I, I don't think it was our best season. I don't think it was absolutely terrible, but I don't think it was great. So I think a B good passing grade was my opinion. In my book, uh, Road Dog, what says you? I felt like it was a, a B plus. Really, it, anytime you're making the Eastern Conference Finals, you're doing something right. The season there were there were definitely problems throughout, but it felt like by the by the end they had figured them out for the most part. And when it truly mattered, they got the work done. And as lo- if you're making the Eastern Conference Finals. You, you can't be upset about that. You can't be upset because, oh, we just didn't make a championship. Oh, no. It, it's it's one of those when people are getting upset, it's like we're spoiled. Very spoiled indeed. Zach, I'm curious, I'm curious what you got for this one. This, this is like the it's... hardest it's been prob- to answer this question since this team formed because it it was a weird year just uh like statistically and also on the field like the the team struggled to score more than they ever have since i've seen them um i i think objectively it's the it's the worst year the team has had but also the team has only had very good years so that's not it's it's very hard to decide if you're grading it against like Louisville City's normal standards or for because for any any other team this is like a B B plus season like you make the playoffs you make the Eastern Conference Finals but for a team that has always made the Eastern Con- Conference Finals they're normally not sort of scraping and scrapping to get there like like they had to this year so I th- I think. If I'm looking at it overall, um, regular season and playoffs, like B minus C plus sort of right in that area. And and that's heavily weighted by their normal standards. That's fair. And I'm and I'm glad you uh, you got to go before me. So I'm not the uh, the bad guy here, kind of like with the. <laughs> The, the racing one, I ended up grading at the hardest, and here I'll also be the one grading at the hardest, but I don't think we're as, as far off. I ended up putting a C plus. Again, this is heavily influenced by kind of what our, our standard is around here, and the fact that the club did make a run at the end, I think, helped kind of keep it where it was in, in my mind, because if it didn't pan out that way, I think it would have been a been a lower score, but but to Chris's point, you know, we, we won when it mattered, and I think that, that, that speak volumes, but at the same time, I still think we were fortunate to be in the position that we were in. Um, we we were handed, we were dealt a very nice hand with Detroit beating Pittsburgh. And then as far as, you know, how the whole playoff situation kind of like shook out, like we could have, it, it could have been worse. We, we, we missed a lot of opportunities. And, and Zach, you pointed out a lot of statistical stuff. I wrote about this stuff at nauseum. We set a lot of negative records. And again, a while that's because the team has been so good for so long. Um, but again, yeah, when I, when I'm, when I'm thinking this question, at least personally, I, I'm doing it from a lens of, of what our, like what our standard is. I don't really care about the standard of, of other teams, but with that said, 
I do also like to to keep in mind and keep reminding myself that we are in fact very spoiled to to have what we have here. But um, but yeah, overall, I I thought C plus was probably the right call. I, I thought B was was just a touch too high for me, so I threw the plus on there to make it nice. <laughs> I guess now, I mean, we we get we get the benefit of uh, revisionist history here, a little bit of like hindsight bias. Um, I, I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on the on the roster construction, and I guess uh, kind of along with that, you can um, I'd like to hear what you think some of the top needs are, and maybe some of the areas in in which we are we are set and totally good to go. Um, Chris, did you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, I mean, roster construction, especially this year, it it felt odd, and I felt like the biggest thing we missed missed last year and looks going forward is we don't have a Luke Spencer. We don't have a big bodied forward that can hold up in the middle and that can really play off the aerial balls. I didn't look at the stats by the end, but I know halfway through the season, we were one of the most accurate crossing teams in the entire league, but we weren't converting them because if you're playing a high cross, someone has to be able to play off of it. And no one was doing that. Um, I feel also clearly we're going to need some depth on our at, at, as a fullback because losing Oscar kind of cuts into that depth real hard. But other than that, it's more filling in spots that it's more filling in season spots rather than getting dedicated starters for playoff time. That's I feel. Yeah. And I, I guess it's, I should have probably mentioned this earlier. We were recording on November the 21st. So at this point, we've only heard about a few of the, uh, the club departures, no new additions yet. So, you know, who, who's, who knows what will happen by the time that this comes out or, or, or people listen to this in terms of the roster makeup. Um, Casey, kind of what are your thoughts here? So I, I thought last season, the leadership and the veteranship, so to speak, became really apparent about how strong that was within the team, especially in the playoffs. And I think that was the strongest part of the team this past year. I do think that that helped within the playoffs. But going forward, there's several positions actually that I think we need more depth in or we need to kind of revamp. One of that being in the 10 position or the attacking midfield position. To me, that position is Jorge Gonzalez. And I think he's so good there, but he doesn't get to play there because he's forced to play it on the wing because we're lacking depth there. So either Jorge Gonzalez needs to be the 10 person and we need to get some depth or we just really need to get depth in that playmaker position, the person that truly is super creative on the ball, super technical on the ball. And then to piggyback off of that, I think, like Chris said, a, a true forward. And to me, that needs to be a goal scoring forward. It needs to be your go-to person to get a goal. I think um, Cameron Lancaster used to be that player for us, but I think with age, with injuries, we've kind of seen that fall off a little bit. And I think Wilson Harris was brought in to be that person, but I don't think that's the type of player Wilson Harris is. I think Wilson Harris is an opportunistic goal scorer to where if a ball's bouncing around in the box, he's going to put it in the back of the net, but he's not going to be the player that is going to go out, pick the ball up, run at some defenders and create a goal himself. So I think we need that type of player. And then I think we just need some depth on the wings, outside forwards, outside backs, just our wing players in both aspects. We need depth and we need true wing forwards to be able to get forward, get in the attack. And then we need some depth within the wing backs because Manny Perez and Amadudia can't do it all season. And then again, like Chris said, losing Oscar Jimenez 
cuts into that depth a bit. So to me, those are the big areas where we're lacking. And if we can pick up those players, we're going to be really good. Zach, what about you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, coming into the season, I, I thought it was a really, really good roster. I mean, we returned most of the players from last year. Um, it, it seemed like um, like several of the signings were really good. And then, um, you know, with how the season went, maybe it was not as good of a roster as maybe me and you had guests coming into the season. And I, I was looking at uh, John Morrissey, the USL analytics guy, uh, posted an interesting chart of the age of all the players versus the minutes they had against the league as a whole. And what really stood out there to me is there's a lot of young players for Louisville city, like on the younger end of the spectrum who are getting a lot of minutes compared to the league on average. And that's, I think that's really good that the team has done a really good job with the Academy and, and with some signings of, of bringing in some very young players who are getting like solid minutes and, and playing well. And, and then there's also that core of veterans that the team has that are also, I mean, we saw how important they were leadership wise in the playoffs. What the team really seemed to be missing is that middle. There, there's not a lot of what you would consider like prime age USL players on, on the roster, like 20, 26 to 29. And so, uh, in addition to, you know, I think the midfield uh, with some departures we have there, the, the midfield is going to be a need in the offseason and on the wing. I I am looking to see the team go out and sign some of those like prime age, 26, 27, 20 year old players to really fill that need uh, that the team has because they're going to probably return not all, but some of the leadership that'll be there. Uh, the, the young players, uh, other than uh winder will be back um other than josh elijah will be back but um i i am looking to see them sort of fill in that missing age gap that the team has currently i'm i had similar thoughts to you as far as coming into this season like i was i was pretty happy with the setup and even knowing how the season panned out i would still largely say that that i am i mean like at, at that point, like what what were you what were you supposed to do? Were you supposed to blow up that roster that just went was unbelievable last season? I, I just think it just goes to show like the level of variability of what could happen in, in terms of the talent level of this team. Perhaps 2022 was a they uh, overperformed a bit, and maybe this season was a bit of a of an underperformance. So maybe I guess the the true strength of of that core would have been somewhere kind of in the middle. But I mean, you know, injuries, bad calls, and just kind of bad form all all really adding up here or there. Um, but um, you know, I guess kind of looking forward in terms of of needs, most of these we've already kind of talked about. Top of my list was it was outside back. You know, you obviously have we have the uh, um departure of Oscar Jimenez, um. And then you think about like beyond, he was already kind of that depth plan beyond him. You're, you're scratching your head by the end of the season with Amadou out, you're playing West out of position. All due respect for for West, that's just that's just not really his his ideal role, especially when you're in these kind of playoff sort of circumstances. So um, knowing how crucial that that role is, filling that void, and particularly somebody who could play kind of more of a 
you know, play up the pitch as well. Kind of like how uh, Manny Perez is sort of build when he was first brought in, right? Like he could be outside back and kind of you know, play pretty anywhere, anywhere on along the flank there. So, uh, you know, a, a player like that would be well, um, Tyler Gibson's departure um, leads me to believe we'll probably get some sort of defensive uh, mid depth as well. I do not think that it's going to be like a, you know, a backup to like Carlos per se, but rather somebody that will compete alongside him. Coach Cruz and, has been very adamant in the past about the competition. Go ahead, Zach. And I think we saw at the end of the season that that box-to-box midfielder might be a better position yep. for Carlos. So I, I think it's important to get a defensive midfielder in there to play behind them because he he played really good in the the eight spot at, yep. at the near the end of the season. And, and having that flexibility you know, is is will be outstanding too. So kind of alongside um, that, I'm also kind of expecting more of a true like midfielder. Um, I, I'm already forgetting his name. Um, Memphis just released their list of of players who will not be coming back, and it's like an all awesome, long list. There's a, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of great names on there. Um, Aaron Malloy, that's the one I'm thinking of. You know, just somebody who's just like absolute top notch. If we can get like a stud like that to hold down the midfield, I think that could radically transform the uh, transform the team. So like I, I'd like our big marquee signing there would be kind of on top of my wish list. And Teco, a lot of your other guys' thoughts. Um, another forward. Um would be desirable as well. Um, you know, again, we haven't seen how the full roster situation um pans out, but um but I I would like to see see that bolstered a little bit and kind of to your guys's point already, maybe um somebody of a of a different frame or a different play style so you have a little bit of uh, a diversity that you can you fall back to. Um that's kind of what I'm thinking. As far as like where we're set though, um, you know, I think um center back and goalkeeper like that area we're, we're pretty strong and we'll we'll, we'll get a, a a replacement for kyle morton so that'd be like a second or or third string but you know in, in terms of of our starters go i think that's a, those are areas we're, we're pretty comfortable in but anywhere else in the pitch you could you can make pretty reasonable arguments but again you know i, I guess we, we we could be saying something very different in a few weeks when we kind of hear get a more clear picture on who stays and who's going I would expect maybe like a depth signing at center back. Cause I do think. Yeah. Just yeah, with, with the roster they currently have, you're probably going to want someone that's not probably not going to play a ton, but just more depth there. Yeah. And I mean, how we, many, how many center backs would you expect to carry? <laughs> I think, I think it's also a matter of maybe there's um, a player that can be flexible to play in a, um, you know, in, in another position, somebody that's a little bit more, more adaptable. When I think also the formation you decide to play, are you going to play with two center backs or are you going to play with three center backs? So if you're going to go with the three center back position and losing Kwasme um, there, you only have Scarlett then as your backup and he was injured all season. So if you're going to go with that three center back position, I do think you need to add an additional additional one. But if you're only going with the two center backs and you're set. Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't, I I think we're we're only going to see more rather than less of the of the back three formation. It's been a preference of Coach Cruz's for a while now. We saw it used more regular season, and in fact, I think it was probably the most successful season for it. I think some of our best play came at say mid mid late season when when they really start to kind of lean on that shape. They were they were looking really good. These uh, these are the matches where you had these like really low possession numbers. Um, so I. You know, I, I I would plan on on the back three, but I think the the flexibility will be in place. We keep kind of beating around this question a little bit and talking about some of these needs, so I think we go ahead and just jump right to it. Um, I guess um, 
curious on your guys' speculation on players you think that are likely not to be on the roster next season. Again, we already know some of the names, but uh, but there's, I think, a lot still to to be decided. Zach, do you want to um, start us off here? Yeah, I wish I had the list because I'm going to forget who because they they announced five players who who are not returning. So, so Oscar, Kyle Morton, um, Tyler Gibson. Tyler Ramsey Rasmus. and Rasmus Telson there. That, that's yep. yeah. So th- those are, those are who we know is, is not coming back. I would expect we probably see at least one more of the old guard in addition to Oscar. I don't know who specifically, but just, I mean, we talked about, we've, we've named a lot of people, right, positions that people are going to have to come in at. So I would expect probably you have to make room for, people on the roster but yeah i think i don't know it, like when the regular season was over i was like well this is a blow it up and start over here and then like they they did well in the playoffs yeah so i think maybe maybe we will not see as many departures as i would as i was thinking a month ago um but i don't know ben who do you, who do you think is not coming back yeah, well, they, they, I mean, in when their initial like press release statements, they already kind of indicate it's not going to be a totally like blow it up sort of situation. And I was still, you know, even after the platform, I was still of the mindset that was the more likely scenario. Um, but you know, as far as current players that I don't expect to see back, there are three names that I that I kind of wrote down that I would lean more likely than not to not be returning. And like the preface, this I I mean this with all due respect, nothing against these players. I'm just trying to think through this logically. Um, first, Cameron Lancaster. Um, I I think he's he's past his prime. I think his his when we look back on Cameron Lancaster in in Louisville City. It'll be a, a it will be the uh, an era a few years before this. Um, I you know I think between with his injury s- situation, it makes things kind of difficult to plan for because I think you need to look at that big spectrum. He's not getting any younger. Um, I I think this is a good time to kind of roll the dice and explore your options there because um, I knew this I knew I don't know everybody's contract situation. I did know he was on a on a contract year, and um. Given his past, I'm sure he was um, he was paid pretty decently. So I imagine that's going to be a partial factor. Another name I had written down on here is um, Paulo Del Piccolo. Really hurts me to say it, but I mean, he he couldn't play a full 90 minutes. I don't know that he did that at any point this season. He was pretty regularly coming off after about 60 minutes, um, and, and I think things were clearly winding down for him. Um, I hope he stays in the game in some sort of capacity, but he. Uh, he might be near his end as a um, as a player. We'll see on that one. And the last one I had was Enoch Matiti Mushagalusa. He just didn't really seem like like part of the mix as a as a fan. He, his play style very much frustrated me. Um, I, I think there's a ton of potential there if he if he shifted his game. I if and I and I think I've I've said this a lot. I don't even know if I've said it recording or just talking with other people. But like if he could lean into being like a creator rather than he really likes to like just take these defenders head on, try to make something happen himself and score. But if he could just lean in and just getting open enough to send in a good cross or step somebody else, man, I think that he he could be a real like game changer. But he doesn't seem to either be instructed to do that or, or wanting to do that. And then you know getting uh, loaned out to San Diego just kind of indicates to me he's probably not in the uh not not in the plans but um 
I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, Casey, what are what are your thoughts there? I think you read my notes because <laughs> those I saw you are like, and that's so why I'm like I, I need to go to Casey next. Those are like the exact players that I was thinking. As much as it pains me to see, I completely agree with what you said about Cameron Lancaster. I think he's been wonderful. I think he's been great. He has some of the most iconic goals in Louisville City and some of the goals that he scored are the goals you think of when you think of Louisville City goals. Um, I just think that injuries and age have just kind of started to take its toll on Lancaster. Um, so as much as it pains me to see him go, because uh, I do think he is one of the most talented players on the team when he wants to be. It's just a matter of how often does he want to be the most talented player on the team. Um, so I, I think soccer is still in his future. I just don't know if it's here at Louisville City. And I kind of feel the same about Paulo Del Piccolo. I love Paulo. I knew him in college. We were friends in college. I've known him for years. Great person, great player. Um, but I just feel like, like you said, you can't go a full 90. Um, he has wonderful leadership skills. Um, which could be the only reason I see them keeping him on the team is for his leadership ability. Um, but as far as contributing to the team, contributing to the game, I don't know if he is going to be able to have as big of an impact within the play of the game as he has had in the past. And then Musha Galusa oh, frustrated the living daylights out of me because again, extremely talented player, but would only use his right foot. And it would make me so, so, so angry playing on the left side that he would touch the ball with his right foot right where the defender was. And, I mean, Jeff Milby can back you up, back me up on this, like how uh, frustrated I would be inside the booth with him because he has so much talent, so much potential. I think he can be a really great player. He just has to get out of his head and has to just focus on the game instead of trying to be the superstar, trying to be the greatest show-stopping player out there and just play soccer. Um, but I completely agree with you that those three are ones that I hate to see go because they have had such an impact on the team. But I don't know if they would have as much of the impact on the team as they have had in the past as they will have in the future. Yeah, yeah. Road dog, would we get right? Who'd we leave out? What are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, everything that was said, I mean, feels pretty accurate on there. Um, Cameron, if it wasn't for the injury history, I feel like could still show something. And the the team loyalty might keep him around, but I, I hope that they go from a pure, what can you do for me now standpoint. Paolo, like, like was said, he he's a great leader and he gives what he can, but his age is catching up to him, and he is starting to wear down. On Matiti, I don't know if he'll be there or not. I believe he's under contract next year, so that could cause some weird situations there. It would pretty much have to be a loan, because I don't think he would voluntarily sign out of his contract. Um, and other than that, it's hard to say anyone who may or may not be. Just the situation's so fluid right now. There could be so many people that stay. I mean, any of those could end up staying and any of those, anyone almost could be gone. I mean, oh, yeah. I know before this season, Paolo's plan was to play next year. That was the plan. I just don't know if it's still the plan. 
And I know That's... Niall has said a few times that he'll play until until they won't sign him anymore. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of fun on where it could be from. A lot of the players may still think they're going to be there, and the team would probably have to ask them to step aside. I was I was actually going to bring up now. I mean, like I was, I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot of different directions that you you could go with this one. That was another name we didn't we hadn't brought up until you just did. Like, I mean, he's he's getting a little older. He hasn't exactly had the best injury history. Kind of want to see but, the, like the streak continue though. So, you know, been there since day one. But that I think it's interesting he, though because he was he had some injury trouble and was out for a chunk of this season. But when he came back, like he made a difference in the games when he checked in yeah, he did. you, you he noticed did. he was there and he he definitely showed that he still had something to contribute on on the field um so i yeah. also and, feel like he provides a level of positional versatility even at this point in his career about the only positions he can't play are center forward and keeper he can slide in in an emergency to any spot and look like he belongs in that position and that brings something huge that I think will keep him there. Yeah. That's why, that's Mr. why I Lou City. Yeah. He's Mr. Lou City. I mean, come on. Who else embodies Louisville City other than Niall McCabe? He's got to Niall gets to stay till now. What's staying up the cleats? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, da- I'm down with that one. He can be the exception to any other illogical rule in place. Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break, take a little break, and then when we come back, on the other side of this, we'll talk about, I want to get your guys' uh, player of the year. Then we'll talk about uh, most improved, biggest surprise, and, uh, and a few others. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. We are still here talking about Louisville City season recap, and we're going to get into some superlatives, Benton. Yes, yes. We're going to start off with the big one. I want to hear who your guys' player of the year is. Casey? Share it with me. Who who gets that uh, accolade? So this was a tough one for me to be able to go through and figure out who I think really stood out compared to everyone else. And there's one player who I think just had an incredible season from start to finish, was just absolutely amazing, and that's Oliver Zimla. I honestly was surprised the first game he started because I was like, where's Kyle Morton? Kyle Morton was so good last season. I know he had that very tragic injury, and I don't think he was able to fully ever recover from, which really just breaks my heart for him. But when Zimla stepped in, he never once looked like a rookie to me. He was always confident on the ball. He commanded the box. He was a leader from the back, communicating with his back line. And so – I was extremely impressed with him, and I felt like we just watch him get better game after game after game. So to me, Oliver Zimla is the player of the year. Russ, did she get it right, or do you have a different opinion? I mean, I'd put him in my top three, but I felt that overall player of the year was Amadou Dia. I felt when he was every moment he was on the pitch, he completely changed it you every every team had two defenders paying attention to our left back and that's a crazy situation to be in when d is coming down the pitch and they're more worried about your left back than they are about your center forward 
and your wings, and it's not just because they're not scoring. It's because Dia is on his own, was generating so much offense, and then getting back and being the best defender at the same time. It, he he really impressed me this year. Of course, he impressed I'm a, he, he always I'm a huge Amadou Dia fan, so I appreciate the the shout out for my for my guy there, Zach. What about you? Who uh, who wins these honors? This is it. Uh, this is a tough one. I was also leaning towards Zimla. Um, but I think I'm going to save him for a different uh, <laughs> superlative. Uh, I think uh, it's tough. I, I think I'm going to go with Ombi. I think this is the best regular season that that we've seen from Ombi on the team. And also, just when you compare like how important they were to the team this season... I, I think Ombi really stands out there because there were large portions of this year where the only time the team got anything creative going forward was when Ombi was on the field. It like there was such a big difference this year between when he was on the field and when he was off the field. Um, he was really their only <laughs> attack for for big stretches. Uh, so I think just with with how well he played for from start to finish as well as just how much he had to shoulder responsibility-wise this year, uh, I'm going to go with Ombi. You know, with Ombi, I think back to, um, and I forget exactly when it was in the season. I'll say it's early, like early mid. At one point, he tracked down like a, a sprinting attacker, like diagonally across the entire like pitch and like stopped this dude in um, like it's just an outstanding effort. Um, he let his teammates hear it that they were not uh, doing putting the same <laughs> effort to, to track back and, and get this guy. But as far as like impacts, you know, all over the pitch, that's 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 one moment that comes to mind with, with his. But yeah, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, for me, not to uh, not to be lame and copy, but I had Zemla written down as well. Um, you know, he he came in, he took that job, and really there was not much of a question beyond that if it was going to be be his or not like he i thought he just did an absolutely outstanding job especially all things considered his first professional season it was a real revelation uh, i knew uh, heading into the season the team was very excited about him I'm like oh that's interesting i'm like well that's too bad that we have kyle morton because he's never going to play well that didn't pan out unfortunately for uh for for kyle but zemla he, he turned out to be a, a bit of a a, a revelation that I was really excited about. So he wins my player of the year honors. Now, um, taking a little bit different angle with this. So who on the squad was your biggest surprise? And you can go either positive or negative with this one. Um, Chris, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm curious on, on who you have for this one. Um, I think my biggest surprise, I, I'm going to go with two positives. And that's weird for me. Um, Carlos, because I thought he, the previous year had been good and he showed potential. And I think he took three years of steps in one season and just really turned into a truly remarkably improved player. And it really was great to see that. And then the other person was Kyle stepping in on the back line mid-season and looking like he'd been with that crew the whole time. That was so impressive because center backs have to have that communication. They have to gel. And he looked like he just belonged from day one. 
I mean, there's there's something to be said about the the integration to a backline, especially in the middle of this it's a season. You know, you're off like one or two steps, man. That's that's a goal, but I can't. You know, nothing's coming to mind where he made an error so uh, egregious like that. So I'm um, just yeah, the fact he was able to make a transition to our club so easily was was really awesome. So I'm glad you point that one out, Casey. What about you? Well, actually, Chris, you stole my positive. I did a positive and a negative one. So my positive one was Kyle Adams. And like you said, uh, when he came into this, the, the, the team midseason, I think a lot of people were surprised that they were making such a defensive move, especially given that we had been struggling scoring goals. Our offense had not really been able to get into the rhythm that we had hoped. But I feel like the addition of Kyle Adams on that back line, just the solid force that he was back there, the confidence he brought to the back line, the size, the composure. I really don't think I have a bad thing to say about him on the season. I, I think he was a wonderful addition to the team, and I was very excited to have him join the team. But then from a negative standpoint, the one that surprised me the most was Ray Serrano. I thought last season he was phenomenal I thought he was great and I was like I cannot wait to see how much he's going to grow because he did so great last year he's so young but he's got all kinds of potential ahead of him and I'm not sure maybe there was things going on behind the scenes personalized injuries I I don't know what went on this season but I don't think we saw the true Ray Serrano I don't think he was really able to come into his own to to be its full self on the field or really express his full potential on the field and I think that was a little bit disappointing because I think he does have a lot of potential and is a very talented player I just don't think we got to see it yeah I mean his his handling of the ball is is second to none and you know if it could really be channeled like productively like wow he you know the sky's the the limit there but yeah I, I agree with you there he didn't quite hit the bar I would have been hoping for. Um, Zach, what, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything so far. I, I was actually, I was leaning towards Kyle Adams, just coming in with like, such a surprise mid season like that. It really helping the team out when they really needed it. I think, I mean, the team really turned around the way they looked as soon as he arrived, he gave the team the flexibility to play the three back, more um and he was really good uh there and then yeah i also was just surprised at how much ray just sort of faded into the background this season i I, like when look that was looking through the stats and thinking that like i was having trouble remembering (laughs) like when he played the season after having such a good year last year um yeah and you never know like he could have been struggling with with an injury we didn't know about um yeah, there's always uh, something, but yeah, I, I look forward to having a bounce, a rebound season next year for Ray. I will, I will also mention on the, I guess the negative surprise. Uh, I mean, this this is also another injury situation, but um, Dylan Maris, I I was, I had very, very, very high expectations with with the seasons he he's had the last like two or three years. Um, I, I thought he was going to have a just a really, really good season with Louisville City with the the setup we have here and the style we play in. Um, and, and, and he had an okay year, especially given that he was also finding some injuries, but I, I had sort of expected to see a little more out of him this season. What about you, Ben? So I had a, a positive and a negative for my positive. 
I had Oscar. Now, I'm I'm obviously quite aware of of the history he's had with the club of success, et cetera, et cetera. And, but in the past few years, he's almost been a, I don't want to say a non-factor, but very much more of a periphery player, the kind where if you think about Oscar Jimenez on Louisville City, you're going to think back to like the old old crest, the old badge. But um, he had a bit of a renaissance this, this season, particularly when it came to the usage of that back three. He got to play in kind of a more advanced wing position, which allowed him to be a little bit more offensive-oriented, take a little bit of defensive weight off his shoulders, which I think is really his sweet spot. And we got to really see him him shine there. And I think that was particularly special, um, you know, since it ended up being his, his final season. So, um, you know, of, of all the things, you know, a lot of things happened this season that were surprising. This was... This was very much up there for me, and I'm and I'm glad that it happened. Now, on the negative side, I will preface this one. This one's a little bit self-inflicted on me as far as what my expectations were, which might not be completely fair. And Chris and I were talking about this briefly before we start recording, but Rasmus Telfson, um, just coming into the season, I, I just had the bar really high in, in my mind, just based off all the things I could tell him, like, this guy's going to be like, like, this guy's going to be like a, a game changer. And... It's not that he did bad, but it's not that he did great either. You know, he was just very, I thought, average at at times, you know. And I tried to look at it really, like, objectively. I'm like, well, maybe he's like the Tyler Gibson type where a lot of his, like, his work kind of goes unnoticed. But I don't, I I don't think it's, it's fair to apply that, that label to him. I just think it was just. Okay, and in terms of where I had mentally placed him coming in this season, it, w- it was a bit, a bit of a disappointment. That was uh, I like that um, we all had like a a good mixture of different answers. There are a lot of different takeaways and and stuff on that one. Um, this next question is going to be kind of in a slimmer one, so we can kind of go through it ra- rather quickly. But um, but who's your guys most improved? I, I realize that might tie into some of your your positive surprises, but um. Zach, what about um what did you got for this one? Um this is tough because it's it's hard uh, other than Zimla, who wasn't on the team last year, so it's hard to get most approved for him. It's hard to pick anyone who had a better season than they had last year. Uh but I, I think sort of uh like tacking on to what you said, if we're just going off of last year to this year, um, then I think it's Oscar. Because I, I think um Oscar had a really good run at near the end of the season uh when he when Dia was hurt and he, he had to step in and I thought he played um some of the best soccer he's played in the last couple of years so uh, I think I think Oscar went out on a high note so I'm gonna go with Oscar for most improved yeah, I like that one Casey for me uh this was the first person that came to my mind and that was Carlos Mogel Jr. I felt like last year we really saw him and the potential that he had. We saw him get more minutes, get more comfortable. But this year I really thought he had a standout season, especially after getting his first assist and ended up getting two in that game. I mean it was it was an incredible moment. He was our go to set piece taker. He was so much better with his vision on the ball. His passing improved and being able to play forward instead of looking to play backwards was so much better than last season. And I I really think that he, from beginning to end, just continued to get better and better. But yeah, I also had had Carlos as well. Chris kind of mentioned, I think he said he grew about three seasons in in one. I think that was pretty well put. Um, You know, he sees some of this really rapid growth we see out of some of these particularly 
young guys. And so I was, I was very excited to see that. I've always, um, always, always been a fan of his and he, he feels like a good, uh, you know, worthy kind of, uh, is it fair to call him a successor to Tyler Gibson? Cause I feel like he's, he's from a different cloth, right? Like yeah, they're, they're, they're two different types of players. I think he's a little time, bit different kind of player than, than Tyler. Yeah. He's he more might of a still, dial. Yeah. 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 There we go. That that's a good way of putting it. Um, I mean, he he might play the defense of a, a mid role at times, but I think he particularly excels when he has somebody particularly defensively responsible behind him in the midfield. But he is capable of doing that, and then his um you know his his set piece ability is is awesome. Um, you know the whole season, like every time he's getting lined up for for a set piece, I kept thinking back to they had the open friendly for for season ticket holders against one Knoxville. And in that match, he took a free kick, um, like at goal, and it hit kind of like the top crossbar. I mean, man, it was like in you're like less than an inch away from from going, and just barely missed that. And ever since I saw that shot, I've gotten really excited about his his uh, his free kick taking ability. So I'm hoping that he kind of uh, you know, he can he can learn a thing or two from like a Savannah Demello and be- start become a sniper and and put some of those balls in the in the back of the net. And I think that will be one of his next growth um, points. Um, I, I, at some particular point, I think, I think it might have been Soccer City Radio. I'm trying to remember where 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 I heard him talking about this, but he was talking about at, at one point in the season, like midway through the season, he had lost a bit of confidence, particularly in, in that realm. And then I believe it was after the Colorado Springs game is kind of when he 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 got his groove back. So, um, you know, he's he's not a perfect player. There's still definitely areas he's going to continue to grow in. But um, I was was very pleased with with the step forwards he took this season. Yes, um, I gotta say it was two pronged for me again. I ha- I can't pick one. Um, Carlos <laughs> obviously really stepped it up, and you know that that preseason shot, I couldn't stop telling everyone about that. Mm-hmm. But the other player I think that took it to another level this year from what we'd seen in the past was Jorge. I thought every time he got out there, he just looked like the game just started revolving around him because he was dominating on the ball. He was muscling defenders out of the way when they were smaller. And if they were bigger than him, he was using quickness and he was, he, he, he finally got a goal to go in because he had been the unluckiest shooter in the world. He'd put a, he put a goal on tar- ball right on target and a, you know, an albatross would swoop in and pick it up and block it. I mean, nothing <laughs> would allow that man to score. And he finally got one and he had been putting them there all season. And he, he really just looked like he was a much more dominant player this year. Last. I will say he's the player I'm most excited to see next season. And I think because of what you just said, um, the injuries that he battled this season, I think held him back. But what we saw at the end of the season from him makes me extremely excited for next season. He does have bundles of, of of potential there and i just just remember particularly last season zach and i talking pretty much ad nauseum how unlucky jorge was and that he should be getting more 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 stats and whatnot then he got injured he was injured so much of this season he's just he's had a rough stretch so i really hope he just has an absolute like gangbanger season next uh next year and just becomes like uh you know all first team or whatever big accolades you can give him maybe the bad luck from whatever mirror he broke has finally worn off this one hell of a mirror, Brooke. Um, Jeez. 
Now, now this one will be a, a fun conversation. And I want to, I want to drift things into talking about bless, uh, best playing style in, in formation. Obviously, I guess the most prevalent ones are the four three three, which has kind of been the tried and true Louisville City formation for for quite a while. And then you have a kind of a back three formation. I guess you could vary that between like a three five two and a three four three. Um, I have my preferences, but um, but I'm eager to to hear from from you guys, Casey. You're you're grinning ear to ear. This seems like very much like your your territory. What do you got for us? Well, I think everybody plays to three four three, and if you have the personnel, you can do it well. But I really thought that. Blue City's talent was tailored more to a three-back, especially because of Manny Perez and Amadou Dia. I think those two really say, we need to get forward. We need to be more active on the wings. And within the 3-5-2 or the 3-4-3, they were able to do that. I think it allowed us to be more creative offensively. It allowed us to push more numbers forward into the attack and kind of play that high-press style defense that we like to play and lock teams into into their defensive area um so to me i think going forward i would like to see us more in a three five two or a three four three just from the sheer pressure standpoint and utilizing our players talent to the best that we can and specifically speaking of amadou dia and manny perez letting them be free on the wings chris what are your uh, what are your thoughts here? Um, based on the current players on the roster, and that's all I can ba- base it on. I really, really want us to go- try out a true three-five-two because with the current forwards on our roster, I think a three-five-two lets you put our forwards up front, but you don't need the hold-up guy like a Luke Spencer that you don't have, and then it puts Brian more in the middle, allowing him to work with. I mean, imagine a midfield, you've got Brian with Jorge there, both of them distributing and controlling everything and then punching in for attacks. And that allows you to bring in everyone you've got. And I also think that it would allow us to find a a good attacking niche for Martin Powell's, if he's still there, because he looked better not being directly as a true center forward when he played closer to a wing without being a wing. And in a true three, five, two, that would allow him to utilize that skill set more. And for the record, it's my understanding that he is in fact under, uh, under contract already for, for I, next season. So I would, in, I would include him in, in the, in the mix, I guess, if you're kind of mentally preparing. I was looking up the press release from when they signed him while we were talking about players leaving. Cause I, I was trying to figure out if he, was under contract or not. He's also yeah, younger than I thought he was. How old is he? Uh Powell's is um 24. Okay, I was about, I was going to say 25. So I was kind of I was kind of yeah. close. So okay. I mean, yeah. I got to say that young age also needs to be factored into the struggles he'd had. I mean, when you consider you're changing entirely different leagues, different countries, different and, continents. Yeah, and He's a young guy. He's not even in his prime yet. So I'm curious to see what he can grow into. I'm really glad you 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 brought that up. Like, you know, I'm 
I, I got frustrated with, with, with him at times, but at the same time, I was always very sympathetic of that position as in mid season coming over entirely new league, new club, new country, like just, just all this at once and the speed, like there can be like definitely a big acclimation period. And sometimes you it might not get that full payoff until like after the, after the first season, like it takes a little while to gel. And when you're, you know, it's one thing if you're coming like, you're you're coming from another club like regionally, like a couple hours away. It's a whole different ball game for for what he was doing. So, I think he does deserve a you know a level of of, of empathy in, in that regards. But um, but yeah, I hope they uh, you know, hope to see him really really pop off and 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 the club trust why they signed him. Sorry to go off on that uh, sidebar, Zach, because it was your turn to talk about formations. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I agree. The best. The best they looked this season was playing the three back after Kyle Adams arrived. I think tactically that that is the best look they were able to give this year. It's it does kind of seem like the the four one four one or four three three whatever you want, that that they have played for the past few years. It feels like the league has finally adapted and caught up to that, and I, I don't. I don't think they can succeed any longer with the exact system that they have been playing for, for the past two or three years. And so I do think, I think moving forward that they're going to have to add a new element. And I think, uh, I think playing the three back and having Dia and Manny on the wings is, is can give a different look that than than maybe historically they, they have given. Yeah. I'm, 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 you know, I share a lot of the similar thoughts. Um, you know, you don't want to change for the sake of change, but at the same time, I think you need to keep things fresh as far as kind of what your different uh, game plans that you have in your in your back pocket are. And I like the idea of having kind of a a mixture of of shapes and approaches to these matches. And I think we saw a lot of that this season. You know, it's unfortunate it didn't pan out more. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the three five uh, two. Um, I'm, you know, I'm personally kind of a believer if you kind of overwhelm and, and win the midfield, you're, you're setting yourself up really good to, to, to win a match. Like just and especially at the back line we have, like just dare these guys to play like a long ball over top of us and see what happens. I, I think that we're going to deal with it more often than we won't. Um, but you know, with that said, I, I would like something kind of also, um, to, to complement that three, five, two. And I don't know if it's the four, three, three, obviously we're going more towards a three back sort of system. I do not personally like a three, four, three. It feels too aggressive to like all gas, no breaks for me. So I don't know what that, that alternative is. Maybe, maybe it is still something like a, like a four, three, three or whatnot. And I guess we'll get a more clear picture of what that might be like after when these signings come to fruition. But over the past few years, it really feels like the roster build has been very much drifting in this direction. So. I just have one formation thing I want to say. It's more of a positional thing. It was something that was tried this year and I felt it was a terrible decision. We cannot just assume because a player's last name is Winder that they can play center back. <laughs> I I was sure that that was like a mistake on the graphic when that when that went up. I mean, Coach Cruz's rationale for that was, I mean, it 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 made it made sense as far as he was specifically looking for height in that matchup. I don't remember who he played, but I remember asking about it after the match. And um, it, it, a lot of it had to do with his height and whatnot. And I, and I don't think Elijah particularly enjoyed that experience, but he, 
I thought he did pretty, pretty well. You know, it's a small sample size, but like, it's nice to know you got that in your back pocket if you really need to go there. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't have forgot about that one for a moment. Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. That is why we need enough center back depth to avoid having to do that again next season. <laughs> Point taken. It, yeah, the, in, the injury <laughs> stuff was just like not uh, not great this year. So That was um, the Memphis 3-1 loss, by the way. Oh, so we didn't win that one. Oh. Well, in our defense, <laughs> Memphis was a pretty good team. <laughs> All right, well, well, I just thought that was hilarious because me, we had been joking that Fot Mob had their pictures wrong all season. That they had they had the wrong Winders picture with the other one. <laughs> it was like it happened in real life. In a lot of places, they still have like Elijah's like old picture when he's like like fourteen or fifteen years old. Still, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and now he looks eighteen or something. <laughs> I mean, he looks significantly younger. In this one picture I keep floating around. All right, got two more uh, two more major major questions that I went to hit on. The first being your favorite moment on or off the field. On or off. Any direction this one. Zach, I'm going to make you go first. Oh, gosh. I don't have one. <laughs> no. All right. Um, okay. I uh, I think the the penalty shootout in the in the playoffs um, uh, against Memphis was my – if we just consider – I mean, if it needs to be one specific moment, it's the the very end of it. But I think just the whole thing, um, I, I think because, I mean, coming into the playoffs, I was so down on the team's chances. They were not able to get that home game in the first round. Um, and, you know, they they gutted out that that uh, the game and through through overtime and we talked about, you know, the, the veteran leadership taking the team through it. I feel like that penalty shootout was the biggest example of that because they were able to put up five players who have been there before and, and no one looked nervous. No one looked like the moment got to him. Whereas like on the Memphis side, you could tell that like the Memphis players were really feeling the moment of like stepping up for a penalty kick and a shootout in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think, I think that was, that stands if if I and that that's what set them up to be able to have that home game against Detroit in the next round and and make it to the conference finals again. So I think thinking back on on the season that that's that's the the sequence that will stay with me the longest. Casey, what's what's sticking out in your mind? So the one game that came to my mind was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game, the Oakland game. Yes. Yes, um, it was one of the most fun games I had calling. Um, one, because we were using Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle quotes during the game, which was really exciting. <laughs> um, but then <laughs> also because it was just a really good game. I mean, going down 1-0, Brian Nomi then subbing on, scoring the tying goal, the save that Oliver Zimla had in the 94th minute. I mean, there were seven minutes of added time in that match. And I thought that that shot was going in. It was an incredible shot, an even more incredible save. But then the goal from Oscar Jimenez. Just this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous goal. Ball coming in. He hits it off the volley, drives it low to the far post. It's like the 98th minute at this point. There was added, like so much extra time. It was just crazy. And it was so awesome. The energy was so great to be able to come back. It was just, just a fun game, a fun environment to be in. And that couldn't have happened against a better goalkeeper either. 
I do. Also, not like those warm ups were so good. It was so. Awesome. I want. I want one of those Teach Me Digital's warm ups so bad. Um, <laughs> I'm. I may have gotten one for being down on the field for that. So. I you got lucky, lucky shit there. You lucky road dog. Well, road dog. Besides getting one of those kits, what was your uh, your best moment? Uh, your favorite moment of the season? Um, I I feel like the penalty shootout really was it because it, it just felt like, like I said, the old guys stepping up, doing their thing. Oscar breaking out the slow step PK again. I love that PK. Um. I absolutely just loved that moment because once it went to PKs, I felt 100% confident that we had the game. And it was a rowdy crowd there. We were loud and obnoxious, and the players were even rowdier than we were. Love that. Love to hear it. Yeah. And you got the, you were, you were. Uh, you, you were one of the few people there that got the the treat of experience of that one in person. You know, I, I, for me at that point, I was I was kind of down on the team. You know, I was going to Memphis. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I'll go to Memphis another time. And you, you were rewarded for that, so you got to see a really good one. So good and on you that, for staying diligent. Plus, I finally got to meet another family member I hadn't met. I got to finally meet Wes's dad there. So oh yeah, there you go. Who looks just like him? It is creepy. <laughs> You so it's uh it's uh it's uh Louisville City's Katie London her mom situation because that was my takeaway from the the video they did for for yes. Mother's yeah. Day it's that Katie's Caitlin's mom looks just like a clone but older. Yes, I remember in in Charleston at the tailgate you're telling me this and I point behind you I'm like it, it looks kind of like him right? <laughs> See it just like walked up right behind you. That was funny. Um. I want to copy Casey and say the Oakland match. I forgot that, and I didn't write that one down, but that's certainly like right up there. And I'd also like to put an honorable mention in the mix. And we're going to forget this one because it happened so long ago. But be being San Antonio, just you know, felt good after missing in the finals. You know, they're still a good team, and so that was just getting that that win. I think meant a lot. But for me, my favorite moment was beating the absolute breaks off of Detroit in the playoffs. <laughs> now. You could take the playoff component out of the equation and we just, we needed that. Like we didn't have a good, like just absolutely like stomping of a team, like all season, really, like all of them work, even our like comfortable wins were we're still like, didn't have that same margin. That was, Oh, we, we needed that. And for it to happen in the playoffs and against Detroit too, mm, they had a lot of great things going on for us. So I'm really happy that we had that moment. All right, the big one, or a big one. We did a lot of big ones today. Goal of the year. This one was tricky because I'm going through the Rolodex in my mind, trying to think back of all the goals, and it was, it was difficult. But I think I think I found a good one. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a little really, disappointed that there's not a uh, like a Louisville City, Louisville City goal compilation up on on social yet. They've yeah, they've done them in the uh, in the past. I made one in like. 2020 before but that was a lot of work so i don't know if i'm going to do that again <laughs> um so um road dog i'm going to start with with you because you got to see a lot of these in person so which one which one's coming to your mind oh it was a home game though it was a goal in the home game and we've already talked about it it was oscar's game winner against oakland it, goal of the year hands down <laughs> before we get in is, is that everybody's answer yeah no no I didn't pick that one because I picked that one for um, 
my moment of the year. So I picked a different one. Oh, you're good. You're good. I like that. Yeah. I can't wait to to get Zach. Is that did you have that one too? Should we skip right to Casey? That was mine. I have a I have a second place I can. All right. What's your second it? place one? Uh which is it might be your <laughs> second place one as well. Uh Telefson's uh that cutback he had near the end of the season. Uh it's just like it's the the one like great great play he had all year it's just like i thought it was a very good goal um but uh, oscars oscars is number one just like because it's oscar it's just such a good strike uh half volley like that late and exciting match too it had it yeah. all didn't it kicked really the panels did. off of the ball it was great but casey which one are we forgetting i'm really i'm really excited so i had there was a couple of going between it was like oscar made his goal like no i picked that for a moment there was Dylan Marius had that really nice shot from Fraud. I think um, Wilson Harris been in the same game, did the exact same thing from like a little different mm. spot. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. those are really loud. great too. Away at Loudon. But no. Yeah, but there, no, there's another one. It was back in July against Atlante. Cameron oh. Lancaster, about 40 yards out, <laughs> picks was... the ball up in the middle of the field, <laughs> gets his head up, and shoots it. And I remember thinking that exact moment, like, what in the world is he doing? Why is he shooting? Oh, that's why he's shooting the ball. The movement that was on that ball, I mean, if you break that shot down and you look at it just from a pure technical standpoint, it's incredible. The pure strike of it, the movement that was on the ball, just the guts to be able to shoot the ball from about 40 yards out. I mean, that to me was just incredible. The craziest part about that is that's the second time he's done that. I know. I I know. It was was like one or two seasons ago. It was last season. It was last season. He had almost the exact same thing. And and I remember because like I was in my seat for that game. And he took that shot and I was like, no, because he had like a lot of space to dribble into. And then it like hooks and and goes in. I was like, okay, it's fine, I guess. Another cool thing about that goal is, is it happened probably at one of the, like one of the lower points for the club. Like we were like on a, like, I don't know if it was a losing streak, but we had some draws and just a, like a lot of bad games and things like the vibes were very off. And that one didn't immediately come to mind because I didn't get to see that one like live in, in person. I had to watch it after the fact. But yeah, that's that was a great one. Good a good catch on that, Casey. Hey, by the way, there's one goal I think I want to talk about, and it's in Colorado. But that's it's not one of the it's not one of the Carlos assists either. It was Martin's goal when he just made he made two defenders look silly. And everyone thought, oh, he's passing the ball off. Nope, he's taking the shot. Yeah, he should do that more. Agreed. Let's not talk about that. Was it the the Memphis playoff game, though, where he didn't shoot? Zach, you start texting me frantically. Do we have a worst moment of the season? Because that's it for me. He got one-on-one with the keeper like five yards out, and he tried to pass it to someone with three players on him. Could you imagine if we didn't advance, how much more that would have been resonating in our head, that, that sequence? Like, like Thank goodness Martin, buddy, you got you got ba- yeah. you got bailed out because you would have you would have went down in in negative infamy. So that's the dodge moment, there. though. That's the moment he needs to watch Ted Lasso, just so he can learn the striker's mentality. Because the striker has to be an asshole. Oh, they're gonna be, you gotta be, be a, a little fish. bit selfish to be a good striker. You don't. You yeah. shouldn't be too selfish. There, you can be too selfish, but you should be a little bit selfish. 
You should always believe you're the best shot. As a striker, there's a balance between it. And I, it's funny because my, my parents always joke, my sister play forward as well. And the biggest difference between us is she looked for the pass and I looked for the shot. As a forward, you have to be a little bit selfish and you have to think, I have the better look. I have the opportunity, unless it's just three defenders on you, then you have to face reality. But as a forward, your first look is at goal every time. Yep. You got, you got to have the head's got to be just like a, a little bit bigger. You got to know, like, I'm, you know, I'm a better shooter than, than all these other guys around me. Like I can do it. Like you need that. that that's a trait you got to have. Cool. All right. Well, that is all the questions that I had written down. Were there any other moments or thoughts about the team, whether it was in the past or going forward, anything that you guys want to bring up or mention at all that I didn't ask? I have one thing I want to say. Um, while he may have frustrated me a few times this year, and I may have said my piece a couple of times, the fire Danny movement needs to shut the heck up right now. I am so tired of that crap. You're wanting to fire one of the most successful coaches in the league who has dealt with player injuries and player turnover, and he's trying to follow follow in the footsteps of, a, of other coaches that carried the team already to championships. It's like, We've got to, he's a young coach who's still making things happen with an aging roster and building it in the way he wants. That's not the coach you fire. That's the coach you lock up long-term. We, we, we just were in the Eastern conference finals. Like why, why should this even be a conversation? I'm completely with you. I've, I've not been shy about being a vocal, like, fan of his I, I think he does a lot of things well and anybody who is proposing that that he should be fired or considered fired is, is deeply unserious and really just shooting from the hips and very reactionary like there is he has a tremendous he has a great body of work to prove that that would be a dumb decision I think that you know there were a lot of ex, like you said Chris a lot of external factors that that led to this season not being as great is what we've we've come accustomed to in the past. With that said, I don't think he's perfect by any means, but um, but I think he does way more right than than he gets wrong. Ah, uh, I want to bring up. I don't think we've said Sean Tosh's name this entire podcast. Uh, and like, I think he played every single minute for the for the team this season. But that's uh, expected. like all team USL. I would feel bad if we got out of this thing without appreciating how how much of a rock he's been for the team on that on that back line and and able to just be a consistent presence there um for for these what six years seven years um so i think shout out to sean tosh another another great you know year from him as expected well, and I will say with comparison to last year where he gave up some silly fouls, he gave, conceded some penalty kicks and it was a little frustrating while he had uh, a great season. I think this year he really stepped it up in his leadership and his composure on the ball and his vision on the ball and being able to play those kind of over-the-top long balls that really helped break down some pressure. I, I agree. I think he was great this season. I think he second on the team in goals. <laughs> Yeah. as well for, as a defender i i also found it good that he was playing a, a unique position in his kind of career because when we went to the three back as soon as i heard that i'm like oh so they'll probably put sean in the middle of it 
and they'll have Wes and Kyle then as your as your outer side, and then they put Wes Sharpie right in the middle, and they're like, Sean, go out there and run and play man defense. It's like totally out of out of what he'd normally done. And he's just like, yo, I got this. I think his reliability is why we are able to like unconsciously like like graze over him in all the conversation because we know he's there. You know he's going to be outstanding. We're not questioning his his starting role. We're not questioning if he's if he's still going to be around or anything. Like it's just, I think we're just very fortunate to have multiple guys like him. There's a lot of guys you could just say that like just like year after year we've we've gotten a lot of awesome productivity from and yeah he he definitely deserves his flowers. Oh. All right. Well, Casey, Chris, I want to thank you guys so much for for joining us. I love I love getting a diversity of, of voices and, and thoughts, especially when we have these these kind of year end conversations and, and kind of do our, our, our post postmortem, if you will. I mean, things didn't always go, go as planned. It's a very weird season season, and I think it'll be very complicated, even when we look back on it in history. You know, I wrote this big old long piece. On the season with a lot of data and whatnot. Even at the end, I was just actively typing. I'm like, I still don't know what to think. Like, it is such a weird mixed bags. You can rationalize it, and you cannot. It's just, but um, you know, we we kept our streak alive, and uh, you know, still pretty optimistic about next season. This year is the year I became fully convinced that the streak is magic and 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 (laughs) inevitable. That the streak will just never end. Literal witchcraft. Plus. No matter how the regular season turned out, we made it farther in the playoffs than Tampa. And that right there is a successful season. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, the battery didn't win at all. So, hey. Oh, that felt so good, too. That was good. I didn't even even turn on the game. Like, I don't want to watch Ben Pierman. And he didn't. (laughs) I was very grumpy. I'm like, well, soccer's over. So. Can he go back to Detroit so I can just double hate them again? I don't want Detroit to be competitive. They, they won't make, have the budget. They make them competitive. Nah, they won't have the budget. Then I he can go he, back to being. I think he's the kind of co- that coach I could bring guys with them. Like you, got, you go there because you can win. I think there's some coaches okay, that can do that. I, let's stop giving Detroit advice. Let's let's end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, they're not they're not listening to us. I block I block too many of them on Twitter. They can't find me. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, Casey, Chris, again, thank you guys so much. Um, hope to have you guys back on at some point, uh, next season. Hopefully we'll like have you guys on after a big win streak or something. I don't know. Maybe we can actually get one of those next year. Well, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in and listening. Um, that kind of, we don't have any explicit plans for, for any more episodes this off season, but we know we are going to do we're stuff, gonna, some interviews we're gonna take a little and, break and, and then we'll come back with some interviews. Yeah, so so keep us, keep us in the, the uh, in the rotation because something might pop up there. Anyway, for now, that's it, and we'll catch you guys later. Take care. Vamos Marauders. Bye, y'all. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.